0: welcome to the thrive church weekly message we hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you for more information about this podcast or other resources visit thrivechurch.co.nz awesome hey thrive how are you doing this morning uh, just for all the amazing young adults in the front row, you're on the front row, so you guys need to be the loudest, okay? Because I accidentally bumped Peter and Lynn back a row to make room for you guys, and then I had to tell Peter I gave his seats away. So you guys need to be extra loud for me this morning. Start right now, right now, right now. Thank you, thank you, that's good. Hey, so I've really been enjoying the series that we've been having here at Church, here at Thrive, the Dream Summit of having a dream from God and then, you know, just pursuing the bigness that God has for you and climbing the mountain and the vision that God has got for us as a church and individuals in our life. And this morning, I want to share with you a word. This is what it's called, Contending for the Dream. Because what happens when God gives you a dream, He gives you provision for the dream, He gives you excitement for the dream, He blesses you with the dream, He calls you to the dream, and then you get to step out and do a whole lot of hard work. And so if you want to hear a message of, you know, God giving you a dream and the supernatural power just makes it happen really easy, you're not going to hear that from me today because a few years ago, God gave me a dream and I've never worked so hard in my life as I have had to do over the last few years to see it start coming into be, but I've never had so much fun along the way. And it is amazing partnering with God to see a dream come to pass. Does that sound good? Come on, come on. We do a thing at youth group. We say, please respond. So right now, I'd like Thrive Church. Please respond. You're just going to yell, Amen. Thrive Church, respond. Oh, come on, we're cooking with gas now. That's good. So a couple years ago, it was 2013, I was sitting in Get Smart, Andy Kabbalah was preaching. I'm there in the middle of the auditorium at the Lincoln Event Centre, and all of a sudden God spoke to my heart and said, Jared, I'm calling you to be a voice to a generation. And it just sat in me like this little living thing buzzing around, and it just wouldn't go away. And then the next week I was at a church down south and this man was preaching and he pointed me out and says, God is calling you to be a voice to to a generation and it just locked in and it became real and it came alive inside me, I had a dream. I had a dream to go to a generation of young people and say, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a dream. I had a prophesied over me a few years ago by Janet Chambers that just like Queen Esther, I was destined to reach a generation that was otherwise destined for destruction and there is something living inside of me that is relentless. I must reach a generation. And so when I got this dream, it was like looking at a mountain, standing at the base of it, looking up towards the summit and just seeing it going up, up and up and then losing the summit, somewhere amongst the clouds going, man, I have no idea what it would look like if I actually got to the top of this dream. I have no idea if I managed to get the attention of an entire generation of young people. If I were a voice to them, what would I even say? How would I get there? What does this look like? I've got no idea. All I have is this insatiable passion to give what it takes to get to the top of the mountain. And every time I get a little bit closer, I'm a wee bit higher and I have more of an advantage point of seeing what God is able to do. And so this morning on contending for the dream, I just want to share with you some of my experiences in the journey thus far and fighting for a dream, taking a dream that God has released and getting a hold of it and then wrestling it on the inside where it can come alive and begin to grow. Out there, it does next to nothing. And here, it begins to grow and it begins to thrive. And so God spoke to me and said, what I need you to do is I need you to become the regional Director of Canterbury Youth for New Life. And so i have been youth pastor for about six months and all of a sudden I'm responsible for overseeing all the youth ministries in New Life from Kokura down to Timaru. And I don't even really know what that means. I don't even really know what I'm doing, but this seems like God's good idea. And I was wailing truly out of the box, waving goodbye to the box. And so that went on for a little bit. And then God goes, hey, I need you to launch Storm Camp. I need a camp in Canterbury where young people are going to get united together. We're going to pull all these different youth ministers together and they're going to hear one sound and they're going to experience the presence and the power of my love so we can begin to shift and change a generation from the inside out. And so go, okay, so now I'm going to start doing storm camps. We start building camps. Building camps, there's a lot of work. And this is hard yards and trying to create something where there was nothing. takes a lot of time, energy and emotion and a lot of support from great people. And this church has been an incredible place for launching so many of the youth initiatives that are going on around Canterbury. I want to commend you thrive, for the effort that you're doing, it is beginning to bear fruit. And so I'm on this journey of of trying to reach a generation. And then God speaks to me again and says, hey, you're at church here at Thrive, you're two days youth and you're two days kids. You need to stop being the kids pastor and just focus on youth ministry. And you need to give that time into investing into the youth pastors in your region, helping their ministries to begin to grow and excel. So I started a journey with Glenn and Deb and the leadership team and I ended up resigning from that position. I was going to step out into the regional role to a bigger extent and believe God to bring finances to fund that because my family needs food on the table and I was giving up almost half my salary to step into something new and I got right to the edge. I'd already resigned and time was up and Larissa was taking over the reins about to do a phenomenal job and my goodness, my kids are in kids ministry. It is going so good and I'm right there on the edge, and Glenn says, hey, what's happening to the dream? Have you started getting money coming in? What are you doing? I'm right on the edge going, oh, maybe I'll just kind of keep doing it a little bit, and I might just pick up a trade to try and provide for the family, and Glenn lovingly came behind me, said, stop being so afraid, and just gave me a wee nudge off the edge, had a really awesome heart conversation that just kind of wrecked my heart, and I went home. I was like, this is it. We're all in. And so money began to come in and it was amazing and just began to see what God was doing at a bigger level because the first thing I want to share with you, as you contend for a dream, you need to make room for the dream. You know, as a mountaineer goes to climb a mountain, he doesn't put his flat screen TV in his backpack. He doesn't bring his lazy boy. He doesn't bring the kitchen sink. He doesn't bring his sofa in his beds. There's a sacrifice that needs to get made for the journey. And God was calling me to sacrifice a level of comfort and security to make room for what he had for me. I had to put something down so that I had room to pick something up. Does that make sense this morning? Come on. So the first thing you need to know is you have a dream. You need to make room for the dream. You need to be open of inviting the presence of God, going, God, what in my life do you need to see changed so there is room for what you are releasing? If you're filled up with stuff that doesn't fit, You need to invite God to begin to show you what that is and begin to say bye-bye to a few different things. For me, it was saying bye-bye to a level of insecurity that I was the one that had to provide for my family when in fact it was my Father in heaven that was going to see provision come and I needed to trust Him and I couldn't let finances being a limiting factor in what God was calling me to do. I had to make room for the dream. Then came November last year here at Youth Group on a Friday night and I'm, I'm down here and the worship band's going and it's going awesome as so I grab the mic and jump up to the front like I always do, ready to prophesy over some young people and I open my mouth and all of a sudden God begins to speak and it was really unexpected and caught me by surprise. It was one of those moments you're kind of speaking a revelation at the same time you're hearing it going, man, I hope my intellect agrees with what God is saying. And you go, this is what it says, hey Youth Group, you need to know that next term we're going to go from where we are, about fifty people.'" And in term one, we're going to grow to 150 in one term. And as I said, I was like, what am I saying? That's going to be a lot of hard work. How are we going to do that? If you make a statement and then it doesn't deliver, you begin as a leader to lose credibility. But the dream got taken to another level. God's wanting to do something with youth ministry in our town. He's wanting to take it to another level and room needs to begin to be made for it. And the dream got shared and it was amazing the response. When you have a dream, the ripple effect that your dream can have on the community around you. So I shared this dream. I had one of my youth leaders say, you know what I want to do? I want to give you one day a week just to take the production level of our Friday night youth service and bring it up another couple levels. Just to bring Bring the excellence up so that our youth ministry is the most irresistible place to be for a young person in this town on a Friday night that people will just be drawn to it. I'll give you a day a week to make that happen had another leader say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice some of my employment. I'm going to give you a day a week just to do outreach in our community. Every Friday, I want to be hitting the streets, hitting the schools, just talking to young people, teaching young people how to reach other young people and drawing them into this place where they can encounter the love of Jesus and also taking young people out there and doing it out in the streets. Had another leader, so I'm going to give you six hours a week to take care of all the pastoral care of this ministry to make sure that not a single person falls through the crack, that every young person is getting a phone call from a leader during the week going, how are you? Do you need to catch up? What's going on? We need to connect young people together and it's going to take a level of organisation that you don't currently seem to have and I'm going to offer it to you. And I was like, amen, that's amazing. That was a good insight right there. And so... At this stage in life, towards the end of last year, I'm a couple of days of ministry here and I'm a day and a half doing the regional. God brought the money in and that was amazing. So I'm doing ministry four days a week. And on the last day, I do drain laying as a labourer for a friend of mine. And the money from that just helps to top up our family bills, almost. And it was pretty good and until one day I'm working and I'm sick. It's one of the last days of the year. And I'm doing this work and I'm working, carrying bags of cement on my shoulders up three flights of stairs up a hill in Sumner. And I'm doing it in the rain, and then after I get all the cement up, I have to dig out this weird clay basin and fill the clay up into these 20 litre buckets and then pick the buckets up, one in each hand, walk up a clay hill, which is just running with water, sliding up the mud up another hill to empty the clay out, and then just repeat the process over and over and over. And it's the end of the year, and emotionally I'm tired, physically I'm feeling sick, and my spirit is beginning to break of the monotony of just lugging clay up mud and tipping it out and then going down because it was too steep use a wheelbarrow. And in that moment, God begins to speak to me and He talks to me about finances and He hardly ever speaks to me about money. He always talks to Roanna about money and it's always about giving money away. And so whenever He talks to us about money, He speaks to Roanna and He talks to me about things that I find interesting and those practical things He speaks to Roanna about is a great team effort and God understands that. But for some reason, He decided to ignore the rules and speak to me directly. And so He goes, Jared, I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna bless your finances. I go, oh, that's pretty cool As I'm lugging up mud up a hill. I could do with you blessing my finances. And he says, because the, the vision that I've given you to take the youth ministry to 150 in one term, it's gonna take more time and energy that you're currently giving. I need you to give up this so that you can run with this dream. You need to quit being a drain layer. And he caught me in a moment where I was really not enjoying drain-laying. I just said, oh, yes, God, I'm all in. This could not have been better timing. I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. If you said you're gonna bless me, then that is awesome. And so I did one more day with those guys. I said, thank you very much for blessing us and our family and all of those things. And then I stepped into what I like to call the in-between. The in-between is the moment when you're pursuing what God has laid on your heart and He gives you a promise. And you step into it and then you wait for the promise to happen. There always seems to be an in-between. I've never really ever had a moment where God said something to me, I can remember it and I've stepped into it and it's happened instantly or happened the way I thought it was. There's always seems to be a testing time. And so I step into this season of in-between. And in that moment of resigning from some paid work, I discover that we have got more debt as a family than we've ever had before. Than we've ever had. We've got a three thousand dollar credit card bill that we can't pay off. And we've never had a credit card bill that we didn't pay off. We've never paid interest on a credit card. We don't do that. We don't buy things that we can't afford. But all of a sudden, this has happened, and then we've got these crazy bills. You're coming up our, our insurance and all these different things. And not only that, earlier in the year, I bought tickets for our family to go to a holiday in Australia. There's these really cheap flights, the kids have never been overseas. So that we'll buy these and we'll steadily save and we'll have enough money to buy the accommodation closer to the time. But things just didn't pan out. And so now I'm going, man, I've got these tickets. I can't even afford for our family to go on the holiday that we've already paid for half of it. What am I going to do? I can't pay our credit card bills. I can't pay this and I can't pay that. What am I going to do in the season of in between what am I going to compromise on? Am I prepared to follow through with what God has said? Is the why of what he's called me to big enough to be bigger than the intimidation that I'm currently facing? I just wanted to watch a video very quickly. We'll get that going, and we're going to carry on because the second point that I want to share with you is we need to know what our why is and what God has called us to.
1: You can write everything down if you want to. Be brave enough to write every one of your goals down, but I'm gonna tell you something. Life's gonna hit you in your mouth and you gotta do me a huge favor. Your why has to be greater than that knockdown. And I love it, Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. He was stumbling. They were four, three, two, and he, one, ding, 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 saved by the bell he goes to his corner the whole world is like oh, that's it once he comes back out that's it Mike's gonna just hammer him, and exactly that Mike Tyson came out like I got him I got this kid up against the rope listen to me many of you right now life's got you up against the rope you can't give up you can't give in listen to me if it was easy everybody would do it and if life's got you backed up I need you to do what Buster Douglas did Buster Douglas start fighting back world was shocked goliath has been knocked down what happened and they went to buster douglas and they asked buster douglas simply like what happened and buster douglas said listen to me it's real simple before my mother died she told the whole world that i was gonna beat mike tyson and two days before the fight my mother died buster douglas had he had a decision to make when his mother died he could die with his mother or he made a decision i can wake up and i can live for mom and he knocked mike tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day.
0: Come on, how good is that video, man? I've been watching that thing over and over and over, just letting that get inside and get inside. So I found myself in this, in this season of being like, oh, what is my why? What is this thing that I'm prepared to step into in such a level that I just have to trust you so completely? And so I felt a little bit confident for a wee while. We had about a week of the stress of where's the money going to come from? and going, right, oh, it's OK. You know, God said He's going to bless us. He said He's going to bless us. And after about a week, my confidence just began to erode as the pressure of these finances was just getting bigger and bigger. And we had a wee bit of an argument about it because we were just so stressed. And I went outside, I had to go drive to Leaston to mentor a youth pastor and I had an hour and a half to try and get my head back in the right sort of game. And I hurt my arm, hopping into the truck, slammed the truck door. I'm just going to be really real with you in a moment. This was not a good moment for me when it came to the stress levels. Slam the truck door and... Uh, begin to cry and just yell at God, God, I've had enough. God, I've had enough. You said you were going to bless me. I've quit my work. You said you were going to bless me. Where is this blessing? This isn't fear, God, I'm sick and tired of feeling like I never have enough money. I began to cry. God, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of seeing Roanna trying to figure out how we're going to make ends meet of where the next sort of bill payment's going to come from. I'm tired of things being right at the edge. And then all of a sudden, something exploded up in me. And I said, but I refuse to exchange my confidence for fear because you're the one who stoops down to make me great. And as I see that something just shifted for me and I came alive on the inside and I yelled, God is not a man, that He will change His mind. If you've said you will bless me, then you will bless me and I'll put my confidence in you regardless of what is happening around you. And I put some worship music on, I had an hour and a half drive and I just began to worship and declare God's promises over my finances. And as I prayed and about five minutes my prayer change changed from God is going to help me with my finances to God is going to help me reach a generation. God is going to help me fulfill a dream. God is going to help me restore broken people back into a living relationship with Jesus. God is going to help me take a youth ministry and triple it in three months. God is going to help me change a generation in New Zealand. God is going to help me raise up leaders. God is going to help me build camps that when young people come to it, they experience the bigness of God. God is going to help me see it done because He is called me to do it, and He is big enough. And all of a sudden, my focus shifted from my lack back onto the purpose and the bigness of the dream where the devil would try to distract. God would see your vision restored to the quality of the dream that He has called you to. I wanna encourage you, don't let your dream shrink to your resources, but plug your resources into the bigness of God that your dream would not get shrunk down, but would enlarge that He would take you to bigger things than you had even dreamed of for me. I was not willing to exchange my dream of seeing a generation change for the the ease of finances. God had called me to something I could not exchange seeing the generation of a world being a part of a movement that would see a generation of young people get to know Him. That is too big to exchange for something too small. What God has for you is so much bigger than the things would ever come against your dreams. So after contending for this hour and a half, something changed in me. Peace came alive in me. And all that fear just disappeared. It was amazing. When I got down to Leaston, the pastor that I went to meet, to mentor, he prayed for me and said, I feel like God is calling me to release an invitation of peace over your life. And he prayed for me and something shifted. I contended for a dream. I wrestled for it. I aligned myself with God's truth, and probably for the first time in my life, when it came to finances, the reality of what God was saying—not only did I think it, but it actually felt more real than what our bills were saying. And for four weeks, I walked in this incredible supernatural peace, and I was boasting to my friends who knew about the financial crisis that I was in. I said, "You know how much, you know how much money I owe. It's crazy." I feel so peaceful, and the good news is I'm in so much trouble that even if I tried to work my way out of it, it's impossible. If I had less, I'd feel more like, what should I do? But I can't fix this one. It's, I'm just, it's over for me, and I feel so good about that because it's like a starting place for God to do something, and I was unbelievably relaxed. Like, I don't know if I'm in denial or if this is peace. I've never had this before. Third point I want to make this morning is anything that holds us back is a target for God's freedom. Fear over finances and providing for my family, the lie that ends wouldn't kept me, it could have held me back from the focus of my vision, could have distracted me from seeing what God was going to do come to pass. Don't let distraction hold you back. Instead, invite God's freedom into places where you're having contention. Let Him partner with you in contending for your dream. Get Him in your corner and you'll be amazed with the firepower that you've got. So four weeks go past and I'm living in absolute peaceful Jesus denial where I'm denying my fear and giving myself into Jesus's hands and it feels so good. And I come home one day and Ryan goes, guess what? Because she's been doing her magic paperwork things with our mortgage, getting one bank to try and buy us out of another bank and then getting the other bank to compete with that bank and all these crazy things I didn't really understand. She's guess what? I've been talking to the banks and they want to make us an offer for our mortgage. They want to keep us and they want to buy our mortgage out and re-sign us with a different interest rate so the capital that we're paying off our house is going to double each month without really paying any more money. I didn't even understand how it works, but she was really stoked about it. This, was, this equaled thousands of dollars. And she goes, and also we found out that same day that Alice Gibson, who's my sister-in-law, she's amazing, was moving to Canterbury, was going to come board with us, and was going to pay board, which so I'm, like, I'm so thankful for. It. Thank you, Alice. It's our food budget for the week. Oh, this is pretty good. I'm like, we should, we should celebrate. Let's go to the river because it's so hot. We'll do a barbecue with the kids and stuff like that. So Rhona gets her phone out to check to see, have we got enough money to go buy a packet of sizzlers? Because we're like broke, broke. We were so broke that I was using my credit card that had $3,000 debt on it to put petrol in my truck so I could go to work. It was just a bit, things just didn't line up for me in that season. I was broke, broke. So do we have enough money to buy sausages? And Ryan looks at the bank account and goes, ah! when you're broke, broke, that's not a good sign. Like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was, ah, bad. And she goes, there's an extra $8,000 in their account. What do you mean there's no, what? She goes, is that a mistake? And I'm like, it must be a mistake. And you know, the thing people give somehow the bank made a mistake. We've got this, but they're going to call us a minute going, ah, sorry, you know. <laughs> so we're like, who is it from? And I said, look, I don't even, we Googled the name. It was a lawyer company in Chicago. And we realised, oh, last year Ryan had this really nice uncle who had passed away and there was talk that there might be some inheritance and it was talked about that it might be a couple hundred dollars because people said that he was not very wealthy. And I'd been daydreaming, imagine God, if we got 3000 That would pay off our credit card. But we've got all these other things, but that would pay for that one. That would take away the stress. But I wasn't going to think about it too much. And then all of a sudden, God went, well, this is what you're wanting? What kind of God that I am? You know, we had enough money to cover the bills, enough money to get accommodation in Australia. We went and told the kids, hey, guys, guess what? We needed this much money from God, but He's so good. He gave us this much money. And Judah, who goes, fires, goes, whoa, do we have enough money to go to chipmunks? Like, We've got enough money for chipmunks. <laughs> he goes, but if we go to chipmunks, we may not have enough money for Australia. I'm like, hey, buddy, remember. This much money. He goes, wow. Then he goes, Dad, you should work for God even more hours, and then he'll pay us even more money. <laughs> I go, God, he's so good. You know what? He's so good. I could probably work for him less. He'd still probably just paying me more because he doesn't judge it by that. He just judges on how good he is. He's like, this is mind-blowing. The fourth point I want to make for you, we we'll just get the worship team up. God's miracle is coming. So you choose how you'd like to wait. I've had seasons where I needed God's breakthrough to come and I was freaking out every single day and night waiting for it to come. And always in that last moment of God's funny timing, it would come through and I'd go, oh, it was such a relief. But I loved the fact that His freedom and breakthrough came for me uh, as I was contending for a dream. But what I was excited about the most was that for the first time, I was able to stay focused on how good He is, not what I needed, but how much He was going to take care of me. And for about four weeks, I had no stress. I was so filled with peace. I wasn't lacking sleep or anything because I contended for something in a moment where it could have gone either way. I could have gone, God, I'm sick of it. Or oh God, you're gonna come through regardless of how things look like. And when I responded and aligned my life with his truth and I contended for the dream and I made room for the dream and you know, God began to bring freedom to me in areas that I just didn't have confidence in, began to prove his goodness to me. He's such a good dad. No matter what your dream is, you're not in it on your own. God wants to take you step by step and walk right next to you as a loving Father going, go, now you do it like this. And now you do it like that. Oh, you didn't do that quite right. It's okay. I'm cleaning it up as we go. Let's get to the top of that mountain. Oh, you're a little bit way there. Look at the view you can see now. Oh my goodness. The possibilities is enlarging on the inside of you. Look how many people are joining you in the dream. You've got momentum. Oh, look how you're going now. Now it's time to give up this. Now it's time to give up that. Now it's time to... T- Take a hold of this. I'm going to take you from places that you've never even imagined because you've seen a little bit about the dream, but I've seen how it's going to impact generations. I see how your dream is going to create legacy. I want to encourage you this morning, please stand. Each of you are called for such a time as this. I want to do two things this morning. If you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is or you haven't been walking in relationship with Him, He is the dream maker. He's the one who puts dreams inside of you. If you want to get to know Jesus, whether it's going, man, I want to give my life to Him, or I would just like to experience a little bit of what Jesus is like, I want to invite you this morning to come up over onto this side of my spiritual dad, Pastor Glenn. He's going to pray with you. And just release some of the goodness of Jesus onto your life. And if you're here this morning and you've got a dream and you're in that in-between of going, God, you've said this and I'm believing for this, but everything I see is the opposite, then I want to pray for you this morning and see God's breakthrough come and just Release an impartation of freedom so that when it's nighttime and you could be feeling stressed, you just continually need to dream about the dream because you know how incredible God is. If he said that he would do it, he is not a man that he would change his mind. He is faithful to bring to completion the good work that he started. I want to stand with you this morning and believe with you in your dream. So as the band just lifts up a praise song and we just kind of lift that up over our situations while the band is playing. I want you to come forward, and at the end, we're going to pray with you. And if life group leaders could respond as well, just to help in that prayer, that would be awesome. Let's praise. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz